You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, Buns, Buns. The Pixels and Ink Podcast is brought to you by Buns, your city network. Buns connects you to the people in your neighborhood to help you find the things you need to fuel your real life. Swap things you already have to get items you need. You can also find jobs that pay the bills, homes for rent, advice, and a place to talk about your city. Buns is available online at buns.com and on your phones via the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. We did it. Woo! Woo! We are here. We did it. This is the final countdown. This is the final E3 uh, podcast because it's over. It's done. We're going home. Yeah. Um, Guys. Wow. Uh, um, what a journey. This, this has been a bizarre adventure, <laughs> one might say. So, what do you think this, e- this like, uh, every E3 has their, the E3 where. Should we introduce ourselves first? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's probably <laughs> you know what? important. That's a good idea. Cool. I am your host, Cody Orm. I am also very tired. Oh, I couldn't tell. Tired. Joining me is our editor, Elias Blondo. That's me. And our, uh, our honorary, editor. honorary editor, Cole Watson. Cole Watson. Woo! The final time. Yeah, how's it feel? You did no editing. I did not <laughs> a single piece of editing for being called an editor. Yeah, um, I hate, this is why we're having this podcast. Um, Cole, it was a good run. Uh, oh, you're fired. As honorary, honorary editor, you're gone. Yeah. Uh, pack up your things. Yeah, now that we fired you, it's kind of awkward. We're all see it through, bud. That shanty town down the road that we saw, um, oh, that's, that's your new home. We'll bring the tech there for you to review in your tent. Oh, God. Yeah, I do right. have a new capture card. <laughs> yeah, that'll keep you warm at night. So, um, <laughs> we did it. We did it, yeah. What do you think this is going to be the E3? The, the, I guess it'll be this is the E3 that it went public. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's all. That's the big stand. Like, and then there's the bad thing that happened yesterday, uh, which is what, unfortunately, I think is what this E3 is going to be remembered for. The bad thing. Yeah, the person who went missing. Oh. That yes. that and the opening up to the public, I think, are going to be what. And I, and I know that sounds cynical of me, but I think that's what people are going to remember that's, about um, this E3. Yeah, without getting too much into it. Of um, course. That's uh, that's some really, uh, really scary stuff, and I hope um, her name's escaping me right now, and I feel really bad. But I hope she does uh, she does turn up uh, safe and sound because um, E three is supposed to be a time uh, for the industry to get together and celebrate um, video games. Yeah, right. Like that's that's what this that's has always been about. Exactly. Um, it's supposed to be fun, and. Um, no one wants to see someone, uh, you know, just not show up at their hotel. Uh, and if you, if any listeners have heard anything about this, um, and you know anything, please tell someone. Yeah. So. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to try to pull up her name. That, that, yeah, that's a good idea. It's just, it's really unfortunate to see that this time, especially when, like, just, like, mixed feelings on it going public aside, uh, 
not only is it supposed to be but for the industry to get together and celebrate gaming, celebrate the medium we all like and care about, um, it's supposed, like, this time the public was supposed to be able to get on that, and this is a very unfortunate uh, blemish on that. But I'm happy that, <clears throat> that the community is showing its strength through its togetherness by trying to find her. We're all trying to, yeah, absolutely. to show support for her and trying to, uh, well, just bring her home safe. Because uh, So I'm going to apologize if I don't say her name properly. It's uh, Laura Lania. Yeah. We Laura want Lania. to bring Laura home. Um, and yeah. the, the community is showing strength in trying to find her. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think that that's, that's a big, heavy cloud hanging over this. And I also, I think that aside from that, it will be remembered as the one that went public. Um, and, um, and you yeah. know what? Here's the thing. Um, I've been... Uh, very against it. Uh, yeah. Openly. Sure. Um, I haven't been trying to convince anyone otherwise. If you, well, unless you come at me, and then I'm going to convince you otherwise. But oh. like, well, no. Like I've, I've I've gone into arguments with people about it because I've stated my opinion and they've disagreed, and then I will come back at them with something with a, with a counterpoint. That's how yeah. conversations work. However, I'm not going to ever try to tell you you're wrong um, because that's not my place. Um, I'm not. I don't. I don't own land. <laughs> anywhere so i can't say that oh you're not allowed to be here um uh with that being said i'm not against it being public i just think there needs to be um and you know what this this is going to be a it was a learning curve for everyone uh yes. not just um not just uh the the the, the event itself uh but for games journalists and for the public um uh, to see how uh how this can work going forward not that it didn't work um i think that as the event went on um it was a lot easier absolutely yeah. uh but i think that uh you know if this is the direction that we're going for e3 there will probably be uh next year will be different somehow um i know like tokyo game show does a does a day where or it does a few days where it's just press and then opens it to the public. I was uh, talking to the dev about that yesterday. Yeah. He said he would prefer something like that. Gamescom <laughs> does uh, does uh, there's, there's the press and media section and then there's the public section. So there are ways that that you can go go about doing it differently. Absolutely. Um, will it be different? I don't know. I mean, I think uh, if it, nothing changes, I don't think it was necessarily bad. Um, the first day was really rough for everyone. That was terrible. Um, but after that, I, like I said, I feel like it got better. It's um, a, it, it's a traditional trade show that we've had for many years that is now suffering from growing pains or just pains in general into becoming what is more akin to a convention. Will it get more days exclusively for press? I'm actually unsure about that just because of the cost of the venue. It's expensive. Yeah, absolutely. It's very expensive. But what I think needs to happen is the uh, the E3 committee really has to step up its game in terms of communication and training on the floor. The staff on the floor was overwhelmed themselves. It wasn't just the journalists. It wasn't just the public. It was also the devs. We're also very stressed. The PR people handling those booths were oh, were suffering just as hard yeah. as us. Yeah, some of the PR reps with just bags under their they eyes. They just had this and, sunken like, expression. The yeah, frizz in their hair and everything, and just like that, that like layer of like their, their foreheads are just like shiny because there's like that layer of 
stress sweat. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, something obviously will, uh, will, will I, I hope, will change. But if not, um, you know, what? we've got to keep on going. E3's a constantly evolving show. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, it wasn't that long ago where all it was was a couple journalists in a smaller room with a man who didn't speak English talking about finances. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Seriously, that's what it was. No, that you're, um, you're right. Absolutely. I mean, and, it's a traditional Comic Con. Yeah, for many and then of like, yeah, and then you know, this year we had Sony, and I don't know if this was conveyed on the um, on the stream. Uh, they had like live fireworks during the show. Yes, I yeah. Um, so I mean, I I think that the thing is is it's like a, it's like a twofold thing. I think the first fold for me is um, so listening to a after hours podcast with a giant bomb and they had some industry people who work who had like been at e3 for years and years and years at this point and what they noticed is that this time around i mean several 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 thousand people i think like 15 16 thousand just public like people mm-hmm. coming here um and what they were saying is that the floor layout from the previous years was almost like very, very close to what it was this year. And the problem is, is that floor layout and the way the space for the lines, um, that works when you don't have it open to the public. Yeah. When you have it open to the public, um, you've kind of screwed the pooch because you aren't, you don't know how to, you don't know where to tell those people to go other than if, such as the first day they are literally pouring into the street where cars are driving. Yeah. Like, the line to get in was in the streets. Yeah. And that is, that's a problem. And so they, 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 weren't, they weren't ready for it. They weren't equipped. Uh, I don't think they really understood. And the other, I think the other fold is that E3 is, as we said, a very expensive endeavor. I mean, you go walk around the show floor, it's like you look at the giant statues and set pieces and everything. You think of all of these different booths and all of these different um, like meeting rooms that have like these max these uh, max spec computers there, all these consoles, all these screens. That's expensive, and it's become less and less lucrative to not have it open to the public. Now the problem is, is that spending that much money on something that isn't public is already not a great idea. But then you start looking at the direction the game industry is moving. Shadow of Mordor was a very big presence at E3, I think. However, you have to remember, Shadow of Mordor is just casually revealed on the internet in February or March, right? Yeah. And that's the way, and I think you could trace it back to, like, Nintendo with their directs going, like, we're just, I, we're not going to do E3. We don't need to. Um, and I think that, like, a lot of game companies have moved more towards, we're just going to announce this online, and then we'll have it at E3 a little later. And I feel like that has taken a lot of the wind out of E3 sales, whereas previously E3 was always, that was the only place to see these big reveals. Yeah. yeah. I think that the industry is moving away from it. However, I think of, um, you know, like Shenmue being announced. Sure. Um, I think of... Uh, Final Fantasy remake. The Final 7 Fantasy, remake. People were crazy, yeah. yeah um, or, or like when... <clears throat> what pretty much won the war for PS4 that show with the I know it's a video that they could have released just being like hey here's how you share a game on a PS4 even though 
Xbox One didn't have DRM. Um, I think that you can. St- there's still something to be said about E3. Like you look at it as um, absolutely. Yeah. E3, regardless of how people view it, um, at least the conferences. I, I don't know how much uh, people follow E3 outside of the you know the the negative days as Brendan like counts down to the like actual like reveal of E3. Mm-hmm. Um, you have these days that are booked that people know every year. The you know the the Sunday is gonna be um no the Saturday, sorry. Saturday or Sunday. The uh, first day is gonna be like Microsoft. No, not Microsoft. It's gonna be EA. It's gonna be EA. Um, and then the next day it's going to be Ubisoft and Microsoft, and then the day after that it's going to be Sony and... I, I did that wrong. Well, Sony's usually last, but... Bethesda and Microsoft, <clears throat> and then... Yeah, then Bethesda's in it for three years now, yeah. yeah. Um, and, like, people know that, and if you're going to release something that you want to be a big game, that you're not sure about yet, but you, you really believe in it, you show it off at your press conference at E3. Sure. Um, I can guarantee you if Ubisoft did their own like direct version to tell me that um, Skull and Bones is going to exist, I wouldn't be talking about it for the third podcast in a row. <laughs> that, that's a good point. Um, so I think there is there is still something to be said for this format. Right. Um but I do agree with what you said that a lot of companies can probably benefit without doing that. But even something like, um, like you look at, uh, like the Spider-Man game for the PS4. Would that be a big deal if Sony just dropped a trailer for it? I don't know. Yeah, it would be. It would be. Yeah. But the thing is that like Spider-Man's had a lot of stinkers. Yeah. Um, a lot of Spider-Man games aren't great. Even two. I love Spider-Man games. Me too. I love, I love the original that. Dreamcast one. Yeah. Like, that game's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love the PS1 game. Hey, man, I have, uh, just, it's called, I think it's just called Spider-Man. It's just called uh, Spider-Man. For uh, the Genesis. It's based off the animated series. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's stupidly easy, but it's so good. Yeah, I think I so played good. that one. Yeah. yeah. So good. Um, I would argue that, nah, never mind. Because that, that goes against my point. Um, Spider-Man is, uh is not something that has always worked out in video games. Sure. So if, if Sony's like, yeah, we got a Spider-Man game on here, I don't know if everyone would want to click on it. That's Whereas a fair point. you have all of these people in this room watching the show, and then you have everyone like, well, what's Sony going to show off here? And then you see that, and that's a big deal. And companies that aren't necessarily putting this game only on Sony's show are paying a lot of money to be featured on there too. Like you look at Monster Hunter. Um, strategically speaking, that's great that Sony grabbed that. It's going to be on the Xbox One and the PC and the PC. However, people are going to associate what, it exactly. It's exactly, exactly the same case as Destiny. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. Um, it's Destiny, like yeah. I don't know if it's still done because I don't watch enough TV anymore and I skip YouTube ads. Um, but there was a big thing for a long time where um, Microsoft and Sony tried to do it with a couple games too. They would pay to have their logo shown at the end of a trailer so that yeah. people would think yes. that yeah. um, 
they would associate. They do that with, with Destiny. Still. Yeah, do they? I, yes. I, I honestly, I don't watch enough. Like Rise media, of the Taken so. King or whatever. Yeah. That, whatever. That, what's that last one? Was, was that Iron Banner? Uh, there was Taken King, Iron Banner. They did that for all of the expansions. Oh, yeah. For PS4, uh, yeah. even though you get that on the one. Uh, but. But it's, it's that, that, that association, right? So now when I think of... I mean, I would have probably associated Monster Hunter with Sony anyway just because it has more of a history on Sony. Um, I would say it has a more Nintendo-oriented history. This oh, no, it does. It's, it's does. because totally. of the boom. But if we're, if we're comparing, like, this type of game... Oh, to Xbox. I would say, yeah. yeah okay, I would yeah, say, absolutely. yeah. No, I'd, associ- I'd assume that Monster Hunter's coming out on the PS4 because Monster Hunter historically has it started on that, yeah. too, yeah. Um, sorry, what were you saying, Cole? Uh, the reason why I, I would say that it's more geared towards Nintendo audiences is just because of the boom. There was such a drought with Monster Hunter where it wasn't impacting Western audiences at all until the 3DS one started rolling out. Yeah. And people started loving that <clears throat> that portable experience, and especially with 4 Ultimate when they introduced Online. I think a lot of that has to do with um, just the market share that, yeah. that Microsoft has compared to Sony in the West. Um, Absolutely. Don't get me wrong, love my PSP. Me too. Uh, and I'm really digging. Uh, I have I've, I've borrowed an Office Vita. Uh, I've been. I've had a Vita since launch month. Here's the thing about Vita. Um, I didn't want it because I there weren't any games. Uh, and then I realized there are a lot of games. Yeah. Um, and it sort of reminds me of the Wii, where it's like there can be some really good experiences, but you have to look really hard for them. Um, and and, it's a little yeah. bit easier now than it was when I was 14 uh, to figure that out. Um, but I, I, I think that a lot of it has to do with just the platform it's on. The, the, the 3DS, the market share is huge. And, um, that install base and retention rate. The is, install base and yeah. retention rate. And I don't know if this is true. I don't, I don't know of any numbers for this, but I feel like um, 3DS owners are a little bit more uh, willing to try something that's a bit different. Yeah. Um, and and they, they, they cross multiple genres more so than you know the Vita, which is essentially the RPG machine now. I think that's carrying over to Switch as well. The Switch is... <clears throat> um, the retention rate is insane on the Switch. And, and they're uh, going to the Wii machine. Yeah, everyone's... Uh, I, I, I know a lot of people that, that own a Switch, and it's just anything that's shown on for it. They're just like, yep. That, that's how I am at this point. It's yeah. like I played, um, I played Shantae for a review for you guys in December on PS4. Uh, it came out on the Switch the other day. Uh, I want to do a review of that, uh, the Switch version, like many things. But uh, I play, I bought it again. I paid, I paid twenty dollars for that game again. It's like, oh yeah, I want this in the Switch. Like I just yeah. like the system enough, and also 3D Rumble. But you know, that's still such a silly <coughs> little gimmick, and it's I just like it. I want I like it on it a lot. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just... I, I Going back to what the point started as, um, there still is a place for this. Um, what it is, I'm not entirely sure. But I, I still do stand by my statement that Sony's won this war from E3. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe Nintendo does pull ahead and it shows that that statement's completely incorrect and, you know, maybe you don't need it. But I mean, Sony's momentum has been completely maintained here's from e3 as well yeah i mean i i i do in retrospect looking back in the last few days i do think that like i still was not a fan of how sunny presented his press conference that was just down to my personal taste but um 
Sony is, I mean, in terms of, if we're like thinking Xbox One, uh, PS4, whatever, Sony's clearly ahead. That was just them maintaining their lead. However, I guess I've always been of the belief that sometime around the Wii, Nintendo explicitly decided, and like, of course they care about making money, and of course they care about their profits and market share or whatever, right? Nintendo is just in its corner doing, it's almost like a Sega situation, almost, of like, we're going to do our own weird thing. We're not directly competing. Like, because if you try to, like, directly compete the Switch and the, uh, and the Xbox One and the PS4, the Switch would look pretty bad. Yep. However, the Switch would look good because it's, like, in some aspects, because it's offering something that those systems don't. When you look at an Xbox One and a PS4, aside from the exclusives, which it really comes down to, like, what those systems do is very similar. Yeah. The Switch offers something really, really unique and weird. And that's what the, like, despite its faults, the Wii did too. Yeah. You couldn't really get what the Wii was doing on other consoles. And when, like, they were PS2 ports of Wii games, they were horrible versions. Because, like, I'm thinking in particular, uh, I can't talk tonight. Uh, I'm dead. No in particular, I was thinking of uh, Silent Hill Shattered Memories. Uh, they made a the Wii version of that, which is the real version. Yeah. Um, and they tried making that game for the PS2, and it didn't translate. Yeah. And so I, that's the thing with Nintendo and the Switch and their latest, like, their situation for, like, the past decade is... I don't even think they're trying to compete with those systems at this they're point. They're not. They've at actually all. said that. I'm actually pretty sure they're more trying to compete with Apple at this point with the iPad. <laughs> That's an interesting. Um, I can see that though. I feel like they're even taking a different stance. To that is that we just want to be your number two. We yeah. want to be that second necessary console that you want to pick up. And for, whether it's your primarily yeah. an Xbox user or a PS4 user, you're just thinking I'm a PC user. Yeah, PC user. I know plenty of people who are, and that's where like, I have all the consoles, but I am in the boat of, I play my PC, I play my Switch, and if I play the consoles, it's for review games. Yeah. yeah. That's there, fair. Yeah, there's yeah. just that moment where you're like, I could use a Switch because I want it for that portable experience that still delivers that AAA game feel that I want, as well as delivering those little surprise experiences that I don't really want on a big screen. That I would just like to play on my couch, in bed, even. What I think, what I really like about the Wii, was that a lot of um, developers were able to try new things without worrying about the cost of making a game in HD. Um, mm -hmm. So you got a lot of really unique, um, unique titles. Like I think it was called Lost in Shadow. Lost in Shadow um, was a good game. That was a great game. Uh, Muramusa the Demon Blade is one of my favorite games ever. I that, prefer the um, Vita port, but it was still very... Well, the Vita port is great, too, Deadly. because it's just that, but HD. Like, uh, and I'm thinking uh, of, like, what's that one game? Um, oh, man, it's like an anime game, and you aim a flashlight. Ah, it's really cool. Um, familiar. Yes, her fragile dreams. Fragile dreams. Fragile yeah. dreams, and then yes. fragile dreams, and deadly creatures, and I could go on. Or, no uh, More Heroes. Or Blob. Like, yeah. Um, D-Blob. Yeah. D Blob too was a boy in his Blob was also great. Zack yeah. and Wiki. Yeah. Zack and Wiki, man. Um, or you know that that little game Xenoblade. <laughs> oh yeah, that little thing. Uh, that little like, thing. I know that was like a Nintendo published game, but still, that's. It's Monolith Soft. If that was a, I, that would have never come to the West. Exactly. Now. Yeah. Um, but like, that's where I think the the Switch is sort of getting its momentum as well. But I mean, like going back to what we were saying before, um, 
I am impartial. I know I sound like I'm very for Nintendo a lot of times. Yeah. Um, and I'll admit that, like, growing up with Nintendo, it, it, it is very easy to to have that nostalgic attachment that I don't have with Microsoft and I only sort of have with Sony. Sure. Um, but I try very hard not to have that happen. But with that being said, um, a lot of people are very on one side or the other. I thought that was gone for the longest time, but after working in retail for a little while, um, there was a lot of people who were still like, oh, yeah, no, I'm an Xbox One guy. I like COD or FIFA. It's like, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. But anyway, um, if you're that person, those conferences mean a lot. That yeah. yes, for like because that's yes. like your justification. I those are your rally moments. Yes. I agree and with you one hundred percent on that. And if your if your representative mm-hmm. comes out there and just fumbles it, um, that's embarrassing to you as a console owner. I I used yeah. to be like that. I know what that's like. Yeah. Um, and that's where E three still has its um its use, and you can see uh like the past. God, I want to say four years, Sony's just had their way with Microsoft. Yeah. Um, if you're looking at it as a competition, I know they're not, but as fans, you are. Um, and and as, a, as a potential consumer, that's important too. Um, so those conferences are important. Um, but yeah. I do, I do wonder. Um, I, I do, because, I, you know, I've... I've Ever since I was basically a baby, it's not just video games I liked. I cared about the industry a lot. And so I guess I noticed a trend. Like, I was, like, 12. I was, like, looking industry trends. I'm like, I wonder what this is what this is going to lead to. I was a little dweeb. I had no friends. Um, <laughs> but I've just noticed this trend with the Xbox One. Um, and when Xbox One is in a place where the PS3 was about, I would say, two-thirds of the way through its cycle. And then what yeah. ended up happening with PS3 is... Uncharted 2 came out, and yeah. then everyone in the PS3 and the PS PlayStation brand got up and up and up and up. Well, here's the thing. And so I wonder if there is going to be near the end of what... I don't even know if console cycles are going to be a thing anymore. I do wonder... Jeez. Yeah. But I do wonder if there's going to be that game that I, happens for the one. I, 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 I don't know. Here's the thing with the PlayStation 3. There was a couple of reasons why it... Uh, Uncharted 2 was one of the big reasons, too, but um, there's a few things. There's... Um, Uncharted 2, the release of a cheaper version of the system. Yeah. And um, the Xbox 360 brand reaching its maximum point in terms of sales. And, the, uh, and that, then the next happened. So many people own an Xbox 360 that it couldn't get more sales. Uh, like, it just it wasn't feasible for it to continue like that. Um, whereas Sony was, they were making up for Lost Crown because people were like, well, you know what? Like, I, I've I've been saving up now. I can purchase both consoles, and that's one of the things that happens when you have a, a life cycle that's a decade long. Um, you have more time to to buy both. Yeah. Or it's like five years. You have one or the other, and then you're replacing it. Yeah. If it's if it's six, seven, eight years, you can buy both, and you'll have a huge library to choose from after the fact too. Um. I think it was like a perfect storm. What Microsoft really needs is a cheaper unit. Um, I guess you have the Xbox One S, but now it's getting a price cut. But but the thing is though, like, why would you? 
Why did you get that? They've announced the, 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 the new version. hotness. Yeah. yeah, and they're like, this is the best one. This is They said it. This is the one where the things will look the best. And this is the one where the things will play the best. Why would you actively go out and purchase the one that doesn't do that? And yeah, I heard like even from a development standpoint, I was uh, I was talking with the guys behind Ark Survival Evolved today, and they were telling me they're telling me they're like, yeah, um, you can get this in the PS4 and the standard Xbox One. You can do that. Yeah. But we are developing explicitly because of like we're gearing it towards the horsepower of the Xbox One X. So why? Would you go spend that money if you want to play Ark Survival Evolved on the console? Yeah. Um, I think it's weird too. Yeah, why, why would you go buy the other thing when you could buy this $500 thing? But the thing is, the specs on the Xbox One X as a console, it's impressive. Sure. As a console, um, for sure. And, and the price point is really the only thing that's scary. But we're also getting to that point, like with the PS4. Or PS3, sorry, where you know, the PS4 is reaching its point where like you physically can't have more people buy it because almost ever, statistically speaking, if you don't own a PS4 at this point, you're in the minority. My dad has um, a PS4. Yeah, man. everyone has PS4. It's like a PS2 or a Wii. Everyone just has it. They don't always yeah. use it, but they have it. Where did it come um, from? I don't know. It's <laughs> Who knows? There, man. I don't know. I came home. It was there. I played Battlefield or something and. Now I just sometimes I watch Netflix on it, but anyway, um, I just the the Xbox One X has potential to make up that ground. It's the price point that's a little bit scary, I'd say. I'm actually on the opposing mindset that I don't think it will tip the scales at all. The reason why is because it's an enthusiast product, and to take full advantage of it, the Dolby out the Dolby Atmos sound technology. Hasn't been released yet. I actually talked to Plantronics today. They are exclusively the only headset that's going to even be able to take advantage of that kind of technology. But don't, like, cell phones have Atmos? Some do. It depends. There's also going to be a paid structure to actually get the X to use it. Oh. Yes. That's that's not good. This is something that Plantronics has told me. And then, you need a 4K television if you want those 4K graphics. Otherwise, you're just getting an enhanced experience. And while, like, 4K sets are out. The thing with 4K, though, um, much like HD, consoles need to adapt it so that when the time comes, you can use it. When when the Xbox 360 launched, it it was capable of HD at the time. And that was a big deal. No one had an HD TV. That's why the Wii launched with standard dev visuals because Nintendo was like, yeah, "Mimoto we can himself do that said next generation because not enough people are gonna adopt it." Um, and one of the big reasons why people started to adopt it was because, well, my video game console has it, and that was a point where the video game industry was starting to finally break through. Um, yeah, that was the generation in a yeah. lot of ways. I mean, there's a lot of other factors into it, too. I mean, like, yeah. Blu-rays came out at that point. Like, there's a lot of things that went into it, but um, 4K more so than 3D, I think will catch on, because that's I, the I next logical it. step. Yes. Um, and, like, I mean, they already do have 8K TVs if you really want it. They just cost thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars. Yes. And there's no real consumer models for them. But, but that's why I say it's an enthusiast-grade product yeah. at this moment. 
there will be a moment where 4K televisions become $600, become $400, where they do hit that mainstream price point that everyone can jump into. But right now, 4K, uh, Dolby Atmos technology, uh, going into all of the intricacies that Xbox One X has to offer, it's going to take a lot of gear, and it's going to take a lot of money, and not many people have that kind of money to just throw at all this gear just to get that Especially in 2017. Yes. In this economy? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I definitely... I, I agree with that. I think yeah, I think no, I, I think I in 2017 the audience the Xbox One X um, wants the X Bone X um, wants. Wanna... Oh, no, I think the audience that they want um, might not necessarily want that yeah. at this point. I, I just I don't want to um, to count them out. Sure, I, absolutely. I, I really, I really, really want Microsoft to succeed. Like, yeah, I, I don't ever want a company yeah. unless they're like, you know, we're actively anti-consumer and you're trying to, you know, screw every, like, screw over our own customers. I don't want people to fail. I, like, I, I, I think a good game market is a market where everyone has some competitive leg to stand on. Um... And I do think that with this Microsoft conference, um, you said it the other night, um, I think Xbox is trying to reach out to more of a broad audience than they ever have in their history. Yes. Um, I, would, I, I think I could say that fairly. That um, was my point, yeah. like, like, And I know that it's a very popular um, anime series, but I feel like a lot of the reason that Dragon Ball game has the clout, I, I've heard so many people on the show floor talk about it, is, 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 and which tying back into people showing games in our conference being important, mm -hmm. is that they showed that Dragon Ball game at the Xbox conference. And if you think... Dragon Ball has so many awards this year. It and does. it would never have gotten that attention if it wasn't in and that. You, yeah, right. People you think, would still be excited for it. Right, but not um, this level, I don't think. But yeah, showing it off at a console E3 presentation and you had this whole bunch of eyes on it from people that would have never even thought to look up something that meant... Namco Bandai was showing. Yeah. And you just think about that. And same with like Code Vein, um, which they showed off there too. And I just, still stand by what I said before. Oh, sure. Code Vein, where that's not a game that I think under normal circumstances would have been shown at a press conference for a console. Sure. But um, I do think that if you think of a, like, let's just go back to even 2011. Mm -hmm. And you think of a 2011 Sony or Microsoft showing a Dragon Ball at their press conference. I would Made be, by Arc System Works. Right. <laughs> I would laugh at you. Yeah. I would be like, that's never happening. That's my weird Japanese thing. Yeah. And the fact that Microsoft is now in a position where like Sony is bringing out these big guns from their own first parties. Now, do I think a lot of those look great? No. But that's my own opinion. Um, the fact that Microsoft's in a position where it's like, well, you know... Yeah, we'll put some, we'll make some time for Dragon Ball. We'll make some time for Code Vein. We'll make some time for Super Lucky's Tale. We'll make some time for I think these. It looks, cute. It looks yeah. great. So Microsoft's in this position where it's like we're gonna try reaching out and grasping as as many things as we can. And I think that that's represented in the fact they showed like 41, 42 games at their show at their show. And that goes back to the fact that they are trying backwards compatibility with both of their old consoles now. And I think that that. 
because of this sort of, it's almost like a Nintendo-esque situation of, well, Sony has all these things that used to be us, so we're going to have to go in a different way. We're going to have to go in a different direction. I think Microsoft needs to find a new identity, and I think that's why all of this is happening. The diversity, the going, the backwards compatibility, just to see what people are now interested in. Are, is the current Xbox audience just Halo? Is it just Gears of War? What can we explore? What can we create for the next generation of consoles, yeah. if there even is that? I think the big thing with Microsoft right now is for the longest time, the Xbox was the console for people who wanted a PC-like experience Yes. Mm-hmm. without owning a PC. Like the, the whole reason why the Xbox exists is for, because of the DirectX yeah. um, chipset. I'm not... It used that and it used a modified version of Windows. Yeah, yeah. and um, that's why it was such a big deal. And so over the, Dreamcast. the years, <laughs> uh, yeah, the Dreamcast used uh, Windows CE. Yeah. Um, over the years, both PC gaming has gotten so huge and the rest of the industry started to adopt a more PC-like... Um, uh, architecture for their for their consoles that um, that's not enough anymore. Uh, so what do you do? And and that PR mess that was the Xbox One launch uh, might have been. I don't want to say it was too much for them to overcome because I do I do legitimately think Microsoft has it in them to really take back. Um, a big stake in the marketplace. Yeah, maybe. Um, but th- there was just too, it was like a perfect storm for them to just like lose ground. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I think like a couple of great IPs. You know, see if Thieves is looking really good. Um, it looks pro- it look it looks promising. I I think I think that's kind of that's going to be their next big thing. If you look at a lot of uh, what Microsoft was offering this year, even from a stylistic standpoint, like the stuff that was coming from Microsoft uh, was very um, uh, aesthetically different than what you normally see from what used to be the super hardcore dude, bro, blood and guts, shooting everything, swearing, all that kind of stuff to uh, really artistic um, very uh, polygonal in nature uh, with some of the character designs, almost uh, storybook-like uh, character designs for things. Uh, it's like looking at a different company, too. I know I said that about Microsoft, or uh, about Nintendo earlier, yeah. but um, you can tell Microsoft's trying really hard to do something different. And, um, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would like to see where that goes. Sorry. Yeah, that that they're staking out some interesting new ground for them, mm-hmm. um, and I think that uh, who knows how it'll pan out. I like that they're trying it. I like that they're like, hmm, this player knows battlegrounds thing is really big. That's what if, pretty cool. Like, Whoa, what if I had on the Twitch? Right? Yeah. Like, what if we tried that? I just don't get. Okay. You guys are PC gamers. What I'm, do you want to know? What do you want to know, not, buddy? I, I'm not a PC gamer. buddy guy. At all. I, I have a PC with, like, an unstable hard drive. And it's like, are you sure you want to keep going? It's unstable. And I say, so am I. So, yes. Let her run. Uh, me and my PC are one and the same in that regard. Anyway. um, 
What the hell? Where did this come from with Player Unknown Battlegrounds? Well, there was this them, boy. Like, showing it off. There was this good, good boy <laughs> named Player Unknown, and he made a good, good vibe for Daisy, which is a bad, bad game. Okay. Um, and it wasn't Daisy. Wasn't Daisy? It was H one Z one, which oh. is a bad, 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 bad game. So he made this cool mod that was basically like battle royale, basically. Yes. Um, he originally made it actually for uh, an Arma mod. Oh yeah, yeah, and right. It wasn't specifically Daisy, but it was for like Arma two. It was in that vein, and then he went into H one Z one. Because they wanted to co-develop with him. Because they're like, wow, this is an interesting concept. Let's right. flesh this out into a into its own new experience. Didn't they shaft him pretty bad? They, He and them. There's, there's a weird drama there that isn't really fleshed out that we know about. But he eventually left. And he's like, well, it's time to make my own. And it's time to brand it proudly with my own name. I was, fa- I was mainly famous for a mod in a game that failed, but I am this brand now. Here are my battlegrounds. It is me, player unknown. I, I like. I remember when I first like hit the scene, and I was like, "What's this? That's the stupidest name for a game I've ever heard." Okay, that's how I and felt then, too. And I'm like, "Okay, that person's wearing a welder's mask." Okay. And then I never thought anything of it. And then I kept getting these like news updates. It's like player unknown battleground has reached like. 40,000 billion people playing now. Right. Um, number slightly exaggerated for a fact. Uh, <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. There was more people playing Player Unknown Battleground than, like, actually exist. Oh, who thought that? <laughs> <laughs> what? what? I was like, where is he going with it? Oh, oh, I get oh, it. All right. But, yeah, like... Um, I... Yeah, but, yeah, it was... Uh, it's so weird that it's so popular and like this weird game that I've only like being from the outside from the outside I've been so like in to the video game industry that like you don't see it from certain angles anymore yeah. it's um I could tell you the story right here if you wanted it how long are we into this it doesn't matter it's very quick okay after they <laughs> shot after he after player unknown left h1z1. There has been a dramatic increase in crates and cosmetic items in H1Z1 that, with King of the Kill specifically, the uh, Battle Royale mod, and what happened is that the game is still unstable. The game is still early access, and they're only now putting out support. And what Player Unknown did was he took perfect advantage of that community that was go that was growing continuously, but still getting slighted by the people that they want to improve the game, being slighted by the devs. So they came in with their product at a perfect time, and they've essentially killed H1Z1 at this point. It is hemorrhaging. That game still exists. <laughs> it is hemorrhaging cosmetics. It is hemorrhaging money, and no one is playing that game anymore. They have all moved on to Player Unknown now. Because of the promise that it will be out of early access in six months from its launch date. I mean, that's pretty cool. It's, it's just it's crazy to me that, like... I don't even think it's going to reach it, but... Yeah, it's just, it's crazy to think that, like, um, that's that's what's moving the needle now. And, and you know yeah. what? And Microsoft also has the Minecraft property. I know it's available on other things, too, but, like, you want the super-duper... 
Super Duper Graphics Pack. Graphics Pack, that's what it was. I'm sorry, that lady made me so happy. Like, I have... There's this... The whole stage is full of these, like, men in suits walking up there going, like... Oh, emotions. Video games. And she was like, this is super duper. I love it. Come play this yeah. game. I love video games. And I, also, I love that. Also, here's a Switch at, Nintendo, at, a, at a Microsoft conference. Yeah, which was crazy. <laughs> uh, so, did you hear the Sony? Because Sony's the only one not supporting it. Like, you can play seamlessly on Switch, Xbox One, um, and PC servers. Now playing the role of Nintendo yeah. in 2013. And so, yeah, and Sony <laughs> has come out and they're like, well... We think this is a very defensible choice, and it's like, guys, you need it's it's Minecraft. Well, you need to Sony, chill. If Sony keeps that up, they could find themselves in a few years in the same position as Microsoft is now. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the PS2 was is the best selling console ever. Still is. Yes. For now. Sec- um, like this. Yeah. And they went from having like. A majority of the market share to almost none of it for a while, uh, and that was because they were doing stuff like this. Yeah. Um, so they have to be very careful how they play this because um, cross-platform play is the next logical leap in multiplayer, and you shouldn't be restricted by the platform you're on. It made sense when um, you know online play was still in its infancy. But now that we're at a point where we know it works, right. works well, um, there's no reason why I can't play Rocket League with my friend who has an Xbox One. You know, like it makes sense for an exclusive title. I mean, I do. There, there are different like network infrastructures and stuff, but you know, I, I do yeah. feel that. But if, other games have already done it. That's the that thing. yes. That's the problem. If another game's already done it, then you. There's no reason. And the Rocket League devs, I think, I think the Rocket League de- de- Rocket League devs <laughs> are the ones who came out and they said, um, "We really want this to be a feature. We'd love this to be a feature. Sony won't let it happen." Yeah, yeah, because that <laughs> means that the online services have to collide, and when uh, when uh, you pay your sixty. if you're Canadian, for your online service of the year. Uh, Suddenly now Xbox has to put some kind of thing in the fine print that mentions their competitor, and they don't want that at all. I guess so. Speaking about E3, guys... um... (laughs) Yeah, we we did E3 things today, too. Yeah. Uh, So, guys, what I wanted to do was, because I did not anticipate this whole, like, Philosophical. It's okay. That this yeah, this is this is good podcast material. Honestly, oh, yeah. Not to stroke myself, but yeah. Don't do that was... here. <laughs> they can't see it, but we can. This is a good podcast material. We need uh, to start doing I, video. <laughs> I, I um I, I didn't anticipate to go so off kilter in terms of. Uh, it was great. Though. Yeah, I those are the pleasant surprises. So on your last day E three, did y'all see anything cool? Yeah, I uh, I actually wanted to talk about what I want to do is um, so I'm gonna put rules in place. How dare you? Rules and structures so we don't. Spend what are you? 46, some kind of square? So we don't spend 46 minutes talking about nerd. Do I have to pay <laughs> you a subscription playing. fee for these rules? Uh, yeah, probably. All right, right you're PC. Right. What, what, what I want to rules. No what more. I want to do is I want to talk about the cool things we saw today. Woo! Sit. And then a uh, now that it's over. Our personal games of the show. Oh, 
Okay, games of the show or like our individual game of the show? Uh, you know what? Let's put a couple out there because there's some good ones. Why don't we like have a top three each? Sure. And sure. we have. Okay, I'm gonna. Can I throw in a rule? Sure. It has to be something we actually played, not something we saw. That's fair. fair. Okay. Uh, so let's you do got. This. You guys start. I'm gonna get my phone that has a list of the things I played. Okay. <laughs> so, so I got. Hey, how about we take a break? Wait. Yeah. Just to yeah. amp up. Let's take a quick break to thank our friends from Comic Bento. Thanks, guys. If you go to comicbento.com right now and use the promo code CGMEG in all caps, you can you, you can get $5 off your Comic Bento subscription. That's $5 off of a subscription that features a whole whack load of comics and their theme boxes too. That's what's really cool. So last last time uh, the last one that we got was a um, it was like the mixtape volume 2 pack. And what this was, was it was just a collection of, uh, they were anthologies. Um, this was last month. I don't know what this month is yet. I haven't researched it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, they you were, still great comic about though. Yeah, they were anthologies of, uh, of comic arcs that were written by multiple artists, uh, written by multiple writers, and um, the images were done by multiple artists. Um, and that was actually pretty cool because it showed the, not exact numbers, but like around numbers of the amount of people that worked on each um, each series that you got. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, and and it's stuff like that. And Convento is really cool, and you get five dollars off if you use a promo code CGMag, and just like all in capital letters. And yeah, um, I I usually take a few of them with me once we uh, once we get after we do our promo material. I have uh, Old Man Logan on the table right here. I brought it with me on my flight. Damn um, good comic. Um, it's a really good comic. And at the office, I've got a Hellboy. Um, nice. Hellboy I love Hellboy. There that I'm pretty stoked to, uh, to read. I got uh, a few months back uh, in one of the boxes. There was the Days of Future Past. I'm going to start coming into the office when these things come Does in. Comic, oh, yeah. Is Comic Vento, <laughs> now Comic Vento, Cody, uh, yes. our sponsor, Comic Vento, are they available in the United States? They of are America? available that in the United States of America. That's fantastic. And the US. I believe they're actually an American company. So they uh they sound like real MVP. It's really cool. And the 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 thing is, I'm gonna give you like a little bit of a backstory on Comic Bento. Not, right. not like the company, but just like some lore. Us getting to the point sure. where like I, we talk about them. I saw an ad for them on Facebook, and I wanted to subscribe to them, and I was going through a really poor financial point in my life uh and i went to talk to brendan about it oh, he said that was pretty cool and we should look into it some more um and i wasn't at a point where i could like explore it further um and then uh when i uh i, I took over for melanie for a little bit uh last year and um one of our interns we were looking for sponsors for for like anything and i was like you know what's really cool? Let's look at like this thing here, and you know the guy actually got back to us, um, and and he, I don't know, he's a really cool guy. Cool. Um, and and Comic Bento is really cool, and I think if you're a fan of comic books, you should really take a look into it, because um, it gives you a sampler of what you could be reading, um, and you, yeah, it's worth it's worth it. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm not trying to sell you on it because of any. You shill. Uh, no, like, the reason for that story <laughs> was awesome, it wasn't it wasn't me trying to sell you on it because of a uh, uh, because we're, we are partnered with them. Of it's, course. 
I was legitimately interested in it before we were partners, and that's yeah. They seem really like I had not I was not familiar with the company yeah uh, before you guys um, mentioned them. You guys mentioned like you were sponsored by them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love comics, and the fact that I can get a monthly box of like loot it's box like of loot, graph yeah. of graphic novels is yeah. like the, well that's that's a deal. And what <laughs> what's what's the uh, aside from the promo, like what's the what's the going rate if you want to keep going. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know. That's no good, Cody. Cody, come on, there are sponsors. You gotta, you gotta be on the dot about this. How many comics you get per average per box? Uh, it seems, <laughs> it seems to vary. It seems like it probably varies. Yeah, right? I think, like, it, I think it varies a little bit. I mean, usually you get about five to five to seven. I want to say like trade paperbacks. Yeah, this isn't like off the top of my head. Okay, so June is girl power. Oh well, I'm subscribing to that. Should say it's a great month to try. You have 14 days left and 22 hours, which is going to change by the time it comes up. Uh, by the time this podcast goes up, um, it's twenty five dollars per month. That That's bad. a steal. Yeah, honestly, uh, you get like... a three month plan for twenty three dollars, and a six month plan for twenty two fifty, and a twelve month plan for twenty two fifty. That's um, a steal for mm-hmm. for how many trade paperbacks you're getting. That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Um, like I said, it, if you like comics, this is something you should be interested in. Yeah. Anyway. Back to thanks, the show. Back to the show. Thanks, Comic Bento. I'm going to probably subscribe to you for Girl Power. Girl Power is pretty cool. Um, anyway. Uh, who wants to go first? I could because I know what I played. Cody, just go. Just go. Okay, so I started my day with... Um, a tomato and mozzarella sandwich. Yeah, Cole was there and coffee. Um, because I didn't want to do a day without coffee. I did it on Monday. And oh, you did not look good. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> I was shriveled. Way to just go in, Cole. Yeah. You didn't look good, man. Um, so today was actually pretty special for me. Um, I try not to uh, be a fan. Um, I, I try really hard to, you know, I'm a professional. And not that I try very hard. I am a professional. And um, sometimes you get opportunities in this industry that are really cool. And I got to interview Yoshio Sakamoto today. Um, it was Sakamoto. Yeah. Oh, he's like not only the producer, he's the story designer of those games. Yeah. Oh, oh my game. God. Uh, Metroid. Oh! <laughs> yeah, so I got to interview Sakamoto um, after playing Metroid Samus Returns uh, with him in the room. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. No pressure. Yeah, right? Um, and I'm not saying this because of you know the fact that I got to interview him and everything like that. Because um, if it was bad, I probably just wouldn't talk about it. Um, but oh my god, if there's a game you need to get for the 3DS, it's this. Um, the way it's designed is they're using the backdrop of Metroid 2, which was a Game Boy game. Yep. Good um, game. It was a really good game. But they're using that just as like um, for the map and the story purposes. Everything else is 
completely redone. Visually, uh, probably one of the best looking games on the 3DS that isn't like a Japanese RPG. Sure. Uh, because that's just not fair. Those are like hand-drawn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the 3D effects are probably the best I've seen in a 3DS game to the point where I didn't want to turn the visuals off but I had to just because wow. I had to just because like I shake too much when I'm playing. That's um, surprising because I haven't seen the 3DS actually support 3D in like a year. And that's really weird too with the 2D with the uh, that new 2DS because I really want that. So it's really cool here and Nintendo's still doing cool things. 3D visuals are so beautiful. That's good to hear. And in terms of gameplay, it's it's completely different. Um, I mean, I, there's going to be a preview coming up for very, very shortly. I had it pretty much written. I just had to put literally one quote left in there. Nice. Um, and, Tune in tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they wanted to use it as a backdrop to... They didn't necessarily say they wanted it so that they could try out these things. Sure. Um, but uh, the first thing that, uh, that you'll notice is uh, if you hold down the left uh, trigger, Samus will just plant her feet in the ground, and all of a sudden you have this whole, like, her her arm cannon is, you can shoot anywhere. 360 degrees. 360 degrees. That's however you awesome. want. Um, and that really changes how you play. Uh, you get a precision pet. I've never had in a Metro, like a 2D Metroid game. Um... Because it was always three, three fixed shooting positions, right? You Diagonal, have, straight, you, and yeah, you have a, yeah, the four, uh, eight technically up, down, left, right. Oh yes, that's right. And then the diagonal ones. Yeah. Um. And yeah, so that in itself is a game changer. If they just built a Metroid around that mechanic, I feel like most fans would be happy. Sound like someone happy shot outside. With what? <laughs> so. Uh, I'm gonna just assume a car backfired. <laughs> I think someone, I I think someone died tonight. Um, um, but yeah, so, um, sorry, that was really distracting. Like, think about the helicopter coming over us, too. Yeah, that, was, <laughs> that Jack in the Box. We'll talk about that at the end of the podcast. Yeah. As our stinger. Anyway, keep going, man. Um, this sounds great. That in itself would be enough to, uh, to make you, to make most Nintendo fans, uh, want to buy in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on top of that, you also have a uh, melee block, which all the vi- all the enemies now have a tell that they're about to attack. Um, and when you see that, you press the melee block, and then they swoop in to attack. You block them, they're stunned. Your blaster cannon at that point has um, a bit of a... Uh, uh, you have a... Multiplier, amplifier. Multiplier, multiplier thank you. Um, and, and it's a crit critical hit as soon as you, you do that's that. That's cool. Um, a parry mechanic in a Metroid game, that's cool. It changes and, um, everything. I cannot tell you... Like, Metroid's always been a game that has action elements in it, but it's sure. been mostly a game that you play... Um, I don't want to use the word boring, because that's not right, but there are downtimes in Metroid. Yes. Um, there are boring points. Just kind of the point. I yeah, think. that's great. And yeah, that's, that's yeah. what makes the action great, and it also... Builds uh, atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and the atmosphere is still here. I need to... I, I need to stress... <laughs> Someone got shot outside again, guys. I need to stress that... I'm just going to go over to the door and lock it. So you go ahead and do that. That'd be great. I would love if you locked the door, broski. Should we turn out the lights? <laughs> no, 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 no. 
Yeah, it's not that. It's gonna get dark in here, boys. Then we don't want people to run in here. It's gonna get dark in here, boys. So, um, I forgot. I lost my train of thought. Um, um it usually is not time. It's not about action yeah, orientation. Building the atmosphere. Yeah, 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 yeah. atmosphere. Uh, so, so the atmosphere is still there. I, I need to make that very clear. They okay. actually brought in the sound producers, uh, or or like the I don't want to say the composers. I don't know if they are, but they brought in like the 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 team that did like the score for Met, uh, Super Metroid. Okay. Oh my gosh, this and, sounds great. And oh, it's it is. It's fantastic. Wow. Um so the atmosphere is still there but then there's this added um, action and like there's this this reflex you never needed in Metroid before that's in this game and it's so fantastic and um even uh you can Samus can like hang off of a wall now uh, like a ledge. And when you're hanging off the ledge, Waldell, and you have your 360 degree arm, oh wow, that's cool. Um, all right, I could go on and on. It sounds very similar, like just adoring this game, and um, like Mercury Steam worked on it, right? And like so, what you're mentioning about the parry mechanic is like, as a Castlevania fan, of course, I played Mirror of Fate, and I had a myriad of problems with that game. However. One of the coolest parts of that game was how accurate and cool the parry mechanic in that game is. And so I think it's very cool that they're continuing that 2D parrying mechanic in a Metroid game. And it's in a game that doesn't sound bad. Yeah. Um, it was uh, it was great. And um, I'm trying to think of where to go next. Like there's, there's yes. even like you can, you can pin points on your map. Um... Yeah. In a match, oh man, yeah. oh man. Uh, so, this is a story you'll recognize. This is uh, a a stage, or not stage, a map you will recognize. But this is not a game you will recognize. It is wow. Um, in the short time I played it, I could say this could, like, this is where you would want the Metroid series to go with two D and. Um, you know, Sakamoto, when I was talking to him, he said that he want like he's wanted to do a 2D Metroid game for a really long time and he wanted it on a 3DS because there wasn't one of these. Um so this isn't a fact that like he's compromising. This is what this is what he wanted. Um That's awesome. Yeah, and like even talking to him about like you know, like the, the Metroidvania series in Metroid's absence, the Metroidvania genre has grown exponentially on the indie scene and he was like yeah no it has i'm very aware of that and um i haven't actually uh played um any of uh, the offerings but it's uh, kind of hard to play games when you make games a little yeah exactly i don't want to say that he said any that's what the translator said he might have said most of them i I would like to assume he every once in a while he kicks back and plays some Hollow Knight, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just that's that's the version of him I want in my head. Okay. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, he said he hasn't really played any of them. But um, that that did uh, probably have a bit of an influence with uh, the fact, like it made it a bit easier to prove that there was a need for this type of game, and that that there's this whole like group of fans who. Um, you know, grew up and played Metroid and loved Metroid and loved Castlevania and those 2D forms, and then all of a sudden they just disappeared. This isn't him saying this is me talking now. Right, of course. Um, yeah, all of a I, sudden I got they that. just they just disappeared. Um, you know, like they're saying it's been 
uh, like 12, 14 years, something like that, since the last 2D Metroid game. Yeah, the Game Boy ones. It, 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 I mean, there was a 2D Metroid game, and we're not going to talk about it. Uh, uh, Other M is yeah. the good, good stuff. I mean, it's a fine game, but it's anyway, okay. I just didn't want to open up that can of worms. Uh-huh. It's not. We can but bring yeah, it. So, after Other M, there really wasn't any significant Metroidvania title. I mean, you had the Lords of Shadow games, but even then, I they were more action. Than even the two D, even the two D yeah. one and the three DS. Like you had, there's a lot of them, but they're all indie games. Yeah. And like what people have been saying for years is, it's like, well, these indie games are actually doing really well. Why don't people just make more Castlevania Metroids? Yeah, and, and now uh, here we are. And here we are. And I just, I can't believe how, how good it was. Um, and and I know I only played for maybe half hour 20 minutes okay um but but wow i i was thoroughly blown away with this offer i went in uh mostly just excited for the interview um not not overly excited for the game itself yeah Uh, and i'm left thinking i I, I, this is gonna be like a week of purchase for me um so that is probably also my game of the show. Wow, okay. Um understandable. Absolutely. It sounds yeah. fantastic. And it comes out August. Yeah. That's the good thing about Nintendo. They announce a game except and it's like here's our Metroid here's your Metroid te- Prime 4 teaser. But like for the most part like they announce the games like by the way, uh get it tomorrow. Yeah. Go yeah. for it. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that sounds um, great. It was oh dude, I I can't even begin to explain to you how, how great it was. Um, I think, yeah, that was my game of the show, and then I'd also say up there in my top three would be um, uh, Middle Earth, uh, Shadows of War, which I, I raved about last night. Yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. Go listen to it! <laughs> and um, the other one, this is where it gets hard, because there were a few that I actually haven't played a game that I wasn't super impressed with. Um, sure. Even, even Senran Kagura in all of its weird, uncomfortable. That's not a game I should have played. Slap of. some women. <sighs> yeah. Uh, even that. You can knock was... them down. Slap them over. Slap them in this game, right? You can't. Okay. So you what can happens? Slap their. Uh... Okay. So here is how this game works. This is okay. Before we go any further, this is your this is your game of the show. This is not in my top three. <laughs> I need to make that very clear. What are you talking this about? Is my, this is in my XXX. This is my game of the three. year. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so, uh, Cody's The Senran Kagura series is um, typically a Dynasty Warriors type game. <laughs> a warrior style game, but the faces are naked. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> inspired, we'll say. We'll just call it a hack and slash. Using um, the, uh, the 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 what is it, the graphic visual novels? Is that what they're called? Visual novels? Of, yeah. That's what Samurai Kagura is. That has so, visual novel thing. aspects. Here's what I said sure. in my review originally got chewed up for because I don't know the dark material. Uh, <laughs> I said it's like an anime manga thing. Uh, that's because it is one. Um, As the resident anime expert here. Yeah. So, oh, the only anime. The only. 
Anyway. I would like to differ that. I think I'll <laughs> You'd like a, to differ that. I think I'll make a pretty good one too. <laughs> so alright. It's they're, they're, they're like a hack and slash in the vein of Dynasty Warriors, where sure. you beat the clothes off of your opponents. Um, and then mm. you go into like a change room and you can try out different clothings on them because they're anime girls and they got the big boobs. You know, oh, but they tiggle got, bitties. They got those, Cody. Um, Cody, that's so. offensive. The proper term is tiggle bitties. <laughs> um, so that is what the series was. Right. What this game is is an arena shooter where you have a water gun. Oh god. <laughs> oh, so you get them wet. So you get them wet. Yeah. You get a moist, um, wet and wild. Now, what's kind of interesting about this game is that you can, uh, like, the progression system is changed. So you get drop pa- uh, like drop packs instead, and then in those drop packs you get cards, and those cards give you different abilities. And then you know if you double up on those cards, you can uh, exchange those. Double up for oh my god. <laughs> Let's be mature. Exchange them for... <laughs> uh, you can exchange them for uh, EXP, which you can spend on other things. Um, cool. So there are... actually There's actually like four storylines. Like at least four storylines I can see on the screen. Those games have a lot of content. That you can play, that you can play through. And then there's an online content. component, component uh, that I don't think has existed in Samurai Kagura before. I'm not an I don't think series. they have. Um, but yeah, so this is actually the first Samurai Kagura game built exclusively for the PS4. There's no Vita version, and that's because they wanted, um, I think, 5v5. They wanted to use all the power of the PlayStation Um, The power of the PS4 Pro. (laughs) (laughs) And um, they... So what happens is, throughout the course of this arena shooter, you, you, you down an opponent, and then there's a prompt that puts you into, like, a first-person mode, where oh. it's very, very, oh, very up no. close, and you have three spots where you can shoot them with the water in the face, mm-hmm. and in the, we'll call it the torso, and, and the cooch. And we'll call it the lower body. The lower body. Uh, <laughs> and and um, <laughs> from there... Hold me back! <laughs> From there, you um, you keep shooting them until uh, that part of the clothing comes off, and then they're eliminated. Yeah. So that is a game that exists. That, yeah. So their clothing. So you shoot them in the face, and their clothing. So their face is just clothing them. <laughs> <laughs> you shoot their face off. I would play that game. You like, shoot the makeup off. It's just it like was, <laughs> it was really uncomfortable because I, I talked to um, I want to say the creator. I could be wrong. If he um, talked about boobs a lot, too. One of the high, higher ups for the game, and he was showing me some of the things you can do. And there's the 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 change room where you can like dress her up and all that stuff. And that that was kind of cool, like in a in a weird way. But then he showed me this one thing, and I actually I, I didn't know how to react. And what he do? Uh, so <laughs> I I didn't see how he got to this. But all of a sudden, there were two hands on the screen that he was controlling with either analog <laughs> stick. Yeah. And I knew exactly where this was going. And I was oh, just boy. like, oh, this is happening. This is, 
This is happening. Okay. Did you need an adult in that moment? Um, I felt really uncomfortable. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, that sounds uh, weird. I, I, the game itself is well made. I'm gonna give it that. It's uh, as really well made. In, in terms of its uh, uh, gameplay and 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 the visuals and even the boob physics, which I've talked to Lisa, and you know what, they should be in games, and she agrees. Um, okay, you're you you think you're talking? Yes, I know. Um, yes, Lisa agrees. Well, okay, no, hear hear me out. Boobs move. Whoa. But they don't move like they move in Sinron Cogger. They true. move like they do in like Tomb Raider, the That's new true. ones. That's true. I will give you that. However, the game so the gameplay is pretty this. good. <laughs> the gameplay. Yeah, the gameplay. Yeah. Um and uh the visuals are actually uh in terms of an anime game, they're very uh they're very well done. That's 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 cool. Um those games look good even on the Vita. But this change room <laughs> Uh, with the two hands, uh, the first thing he did was honk her boobs, um, and I was like, "Okay, that's that's sure." Uh, a little casual misogyny. I didn't. I, I was not shocked. Um, and then like there was like a slap. There's a slap. And and like the worst part about that is that she like kind of like whimpered a bit after you did it. Oh, oh like, I don't. Like and I, that, and, and that's when I really didn't like it. And then there was like he was like, "Oh yeah," and then you can like lift up her dress. I'm like, "That's just." It reminds me a lot of that game that got banned in Japan. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Man, you have to be really weird to get banned in Japan. You know the one though. No. And, um, I won't go into the details of what the game was. Could... That oh, was that um? Ray play. I don't want to say any more about that game, but it was oh. first person and had yeah, a lot of. You're thinking of it. about the one from Twitch. Yes. Yeah, it had a lot of similar mechanics. It had yeah. a lot of similar. Yeah, Yandere Simulator. Yeah. It had a lot of similar mechanics to what you're describing, only in a much more graphic way. And oh, it's no. so weird to see those mechanics in a game that's going to come to the PS4. Yeah. Weird time. But the idea of like a water gun competition with anime giggles sounds You know what? Fun. Um, That's I neat. The, I don't know the name off the top of my head, but um, I've gotten multiple emails from a Chinese developer that uh, that wanted some coverage for a similar game. I've gotten those um, same emails. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, that game exists and it's a lot more PG and it's a lot more cute. Um, this game is... I, I, I don't want to talk too much about it because there is an appeal to an audience that isn't me. Um, and as much as I dislike it, um, I can I can attest to the fact that they're fun uh, when you just play the game. Um, and that's why when I reviewed Estival Versus, I, I gave it a higher score because it was it was a fun game. Um, sure. And I gave I, I knocked points off because it did make me feel uncomfortable, um, but that's me, and um, that's a police siren. And um, Some, someone got shot. It was, it was Jack in the Box. Man, end of the oh, podcast. Y'all yeah, hear the we'll, story. Yeah, I thought we'll we talked you. about it yesterday. Not yet. No, we didn't. Oh, okay. Um, the, this, that's our cliff. That's so our that's, like cliffhanger. That was the other game I played. Uh, game of the show. Yeah, I also played Bloodstained. Um, what's oh, cool. was pretty cool. That's good. Uh, I got to try out some other things. There was like I saw you book that, and, and I was like, I want to play that. Yeah, Bloodstain was. Uh, I, I don't want to talk too much about everything I played, but sure, Bloodstain sure. will be the last one, and then I'll talk about what the last game I chose is. Okay, but cool. Bloodstain introduced this mechanic where you double jump and then you downward jump onto an enemy, and it gives you a boost jump. Um, and it sounds a lot more complex than it is. It's complex to learn, 
Uh, but then once you get the hang of it, you it, it's not hard at all. Cool. Um, and it was really cool. And you also get a little ghosty man that can help you. I saw that. And that I like was that. Fun. Um, and yeah, uh, Bloodstained shaping up to be a great uh, another Metroidvania title. Nice. Um, so I'm trying to think really hard of what my last pick for the show would be. And um, it's falling down to um, a few. Because I haven't played a bad game. <coughs> sure. There hasn't been a game where I've like, no, this I, isn't good. I kind of feel the same way, even about Agents of Mayhem. Yeah, and uh, so I'm thinking I, I got to play Rogue Agent, or Rogue Agent, Rogue Trooper Redux. Um, I got to play... play Mario Odyssey, man. Mario Odyssey was another really good one. I got to play Fire Emblem Heroes. Um, uh, I think the other game, though, and this is just solely because it's so weird, and I don't want to be the person that's just constantly picking Nintendo things, but I was the person that covered the Nintendo booth, so that's why a lot of my picks are from Nintendo. Sure. Um, but the um, the Mario and Rabbids, ba- Rabbids Battle Kingdom was unexpected, to put it lightly. Yes. Um, it is. I'm it is fireworks. I think it's fireworks. That's got to be fireworks, right? I Guys, know. we're under siege here. Uh, Rabbit Kingdom explosive battle kingdom explosive. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> what? So yeah. Um, anyway, that game in itself, the fact that it exists, um, isn't weird. It's the fact that it exists and it's mm-hmm. XCOM. That is legitimately um, that, that 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 that's off-putting, and underneath its uh, very cute aesthetic is uh, a super cool, really tight, uh, strategic experience that I never thought I'd say involves Mario and rabid friends that are dressed like Mario characters. <laughs> Sounds kind of cute. It's a Adorable, and the gameplay is fantastic, and I honestly think that this is going to be a game that it's not going to sell Switches, but if you have a Switch, that's going to be a game you want to play. Yeah. yeah. Um, and at the very least, it'll go down in history as this really weird game that's really fun. I like that Nintendo is willing to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's Ubisoft that's, that's put in their uh, money where the mouth is. Yeah. But yeah. Would that be your Would that be your third game of the show? That I think is the third game of the show because I I mean Rogue Trooper was pretty good, um, and and I, I can't remember the names of the other games I played. I'm sorry. It's been a long week, boys. <laughs> um, but yeah, cool. So those are my picks of the show. Uh, I'll go last. Cole, what are your What are your top three? Okay. Uh, let's see. If it for a game I played today, I'll say. I'll throw Destiny 2 into the hat. I'll say that Destiny 2 was a great experience. Uh, I played it at the Activision booth, and they led me up to their PC gaming section. Nice. Hey, um, sorry to interrupt you. I've got some good news. What? Um, Laura turned up. Woo! Okay. Yep, her phone died in the casino. Okay. Oh, my God. That is really good to hear. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Destiny 2. Thank God. (laughs) On PC. Where it should be. It feels right at home. 
Uh, I didn't get to play any uh, exclusive segment or anything. It's what everyone was experiencing at the show floor, which was exactly what uh, games journalists were experiencing earlier uh, at the gameplay reveal event that Bungie held. So I played the opening section, and it felt... It felt like what Destiny should have been originally. Because when I got Destiny originally, when I was going through vanilla, I didn't like it. I thought that I thought that Bungie had <clears throat> gone ten steps back from where they were uh, in terms of storytelling, in terms of atmosphere, in terms of even just competitive. The only thing that really held up in Destiny Vanilla was its gunplay. And that carries over here. But now everything else has reached the level of that gunplay. The storytelling feels great. The atmosphere feels great. The soundtrack is constant, consistent, and and matches up to the action that you're uh, that, that that you're facing against. Is Paul McCartney back, Cole? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. But I'm sure he will make an appearance live. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we need a new speaker if the if the current one's even alive. Yeah, definitely. So just make it Paul McCartney, and then we're in. <laughs> yeah, we go. All right. Uh, so yeah, Destiny Two was great, but for me, my E three experience I think was defined by fighters. The, yep. The first. Played a lot of those. <laughs> I played a ton of fighters, and I love fighters. But this was a year that I feel like I'm going to take that next step to. Not just be, not just be that person who really likes to analyze fighting games and, and likes to somewhat casually play them, but someone that wants to get even further uh, into get good. A, yeah, get good, get into <laughs> like a competitive scene or even just a, a standard league in my in my community, just sure. to you know, just to share that kind of experience in a in a live atmosphere. Um, so the first one I played. Uh, was Gundam versus because Cody Cody knows nothing about Gundam, and yeah, I was they it was on display and I'm like, there's no way I can do this. <laughs> I don't know anything. This is a cold game. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Gundam versus was great, as I said previously last night. Uh, but then also at the booth, I had the uh, the time to play Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Which we, which we were all talking about, showcased at the Xbox conference. And the, that game is getting so many awards from all sorts of different publications, and it rightfully deserves it. It is a stellar fighter. Uh, I played as the villain, so I played as Frieza, Cell, and Majin Buu, Fat Buu specifically. The best Dragon Ball character I'll, I'll add. Okay. That's a fair point. I think it's Videl, personally. Majin but hey. Is uh, my it's unfortunate what she's become, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Super. Yeah. It's Super um, Duper. But uh, Arc System Works has gone all out on this. I love the mechanics. I love specifically how easy it is to feel stylish in this game because even just a few inputs a couple punches a couple kicks and then just a dash and you feel like you're playing the anime itself that's awesome because you're teleporting everywhere you are it's rapid fast action and then it's beautiful special effects caused from beam clashes from beam waves and from uh 
and from just other energy projectile attacks. I um I saw I I got I went to the press briefer for Namco Bandai and yeah. they showed a lot of the aerial combo stuff and that looked yes. astonishing. Shout out to the press briefer from Namco Bandai. By the specifically way, specifically the representative for Cars Two, Project Cars Two. <laughs> oh, they think Ooh. they have the most realistic games. That's a lie. We do. This person in a single, uh, like probably like what. Five ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, made me wholeheartedly believe that Project Cars is the single most realistic <laughs> racing experience you can possibly ever have on a console. Um, yeah. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> I didn't play it, so I can't say that. It looks cool. I'm probably. He sold me. Anyway, yeah. keep going, man. So uh, yeah, Dragon Ball, fantastic. I think that everyone. Who's even remotely interested in fighters? This is a game that I feel has a lot of accessibility, but is going to be hard to master, but is going to be easy to jump in and feel familiar and feel inviting to players who who might uh, feel too intimidated by the genre. They're going too fast. I yeah. Can't do it. <laughs> I saw it and it scared me. But that's the best part of like the best fighters, right? Like my favorite fighting game of all time is Soul Calibur Two. Yeah. And, and like Soul, Soul Calibur games, the and Xbox like, version where you play Spawn. Fucking now, freaking um, PS2. <laughs> the freaking PS2 version with Heihachi. Yeah, man. <laughs> but like that and the second games, like those games were great because anyone could pick them up and have a good time. But you could also there's a lot of mechanics there that were their master. Yeah. And then to end off this flurry of fighters. Is uh, I got hands on with Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Is that good? So I specifically played the story mode because it was a 25 minute experience and because that meant I was able to get as many characters as possible into a single play session. So I played as X, I played as Thor, I played as Spencer, I played as uh, Dante, Rocket Raccoon, uh, and uh, including Captain America off the top of my head. So it was a great variety of characters. And the thing with Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite is that it feels like, on the surface level, it looks like it took a step back. Because traditionally, Marvel vs. Capcom, especially recent titles, it's been 3v3. Now it's 2v2. And why it is that now is because the developers, Capcom specifically, have said that Everyone thought that the third character they picked was just an assist. That's all they used it for, was to set up their next combo stream. Sure. Yes. So, to replace that third character, and to deepen the relationship of a tag team set, we introduced Infinity Gems, which was something introduced all the way back in Marvel Super Heroes for, uh, I believe it was just PlayStation 1, but also in arcades. Yes, I played that game, actually. A good bit. Well, what they've done with that is create a really fluid fighting game experience and it's very simple to go into multi-hit combos you're going with one character like thor who's super heavy and and it takes time to use his attacks he has a lot of frames before uh things start to happen but he's dealing massive damage but if he even misses one you can hit the tag button and all of a sudden, Rocket's coming in, and he's small, and he's easy to get quick hits in. And then you can tag Thor back in, because now you've created an opening. That's cool. And then you activate that Infinity Gem, whatever it is. So if it's space, 
what you're doing is you're locking down your opponent into a, into a field that they can't escape from, they can't tag out of. You're just beating on them to the best of your ability for as little as time as possible. And then there is space where... Uh, sorry, what was the first one I said? Was it space that I said first? I think so. Okay, I meant... Uh, w- w- let's just jump to power as my second and last example, where uh, you are... Every hit you do is just a beastly hit, and it is that comeback mechanic like X-Factor. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of depth with Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, especially with ch- not just choosing your ideal tag team, but now choosing that gem that's going to lead them to victory. Right. But if I were to choose a definitive fighter of those three, I think that Dragon Ball Fighter Z was the best fighter of the show. And I think... Our system works, man. It is Arc System Works, and they have done a damn good job on it. And I think this could be the game that really um, puts them in the mainstream. I they think have that that's, license. That's what it's going to do, exactly. In in my opinion, it, well, my hopes is that that's what happens with them. Because Blaz Blue, like currently, Blaze Blue, Blaz Blue, um, like I, I stopped being really into fighters as much when they stopped making as many 3D fighters, which is my favorite type of fighting game. Yeah. But I play every single Blue game that comes out. I adore that franchise. Um, it is my favorite ongoing one right now. And like to see that studio has been cranking out good game after good game after good game, get this her hands on this license and do something really special with it is awesome. Yeah. So you think that out of the fighters you played, that I think out of the fighters I played. Dragon Ball Fighter Z is definitely the king of those three. Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite is going to be an amazing experience, I think. I feel that the roster is going to be what disappoints yeah, people at the beginning. Dragon Ball Fighter Z, we don't even know how fleshed out their roster is going to be, but from the characters that I played, I, I think it's going to be a considerable amount, and there's going to be a lot of systems that people are going to be able to play around with and it looks like they're playing some throwing some super characters like golden frieza from like the resurrection f movie like they're throwing in some super characters and that makes me happy yep it's just a power-up move uh well a power-up super move that uh creates new kind of uh new kind of conditions with all of his abilities that's cool uh so yeah uh to to end off my show i guess would be my, my my favorite game of show uh, was the one that I first talked about, and that is Total War Warhammer 2. Cool. Uh, I don't think I have to go into any more details sure. of that. Uh, definitely look for the preview that's coming up, and the interview that I have uh, with the developers. Uh, it's a super passionate team, and I loved uh, one of the best questions I asked them was, what's your ideal playstyle? And they bickered and bantered with each other. That's like, awesome. Your play style sucks. No, you're an idiot. This is how you do it right. And that's awesome that you see that kind of passion among the developers. Like that's yeah. cool. Yeah. So Elias, how about you? My oh, I got some games. So there, I like, ev- like, ev- like everyone else got like a lot of big games and got their niches. I kind of picked up a bunch of weird games. Um, I played a really mixed bag of different types of games. The benefit of that is I looked at games I would have never touched, uh, except for Sonic Forces. Uh, so, let me kick it off. I'm going to actually just go in order for me. Uh, okay. I'm going to start off. Number three, my third favorite game of the show, um, would have to be um, Sakuna of Rice and Ruin. 
That game yeah. was so that big. game. I got to play yes. it today. Um, I I loved it. Um, it's like a tribute to rice harvesting. Yeah, it's a, and like Miramasa. Like Miramasa it's yes. very That's like it's I was super. From its yeah, it was super similar to Miramasa. And I love Miramasa, and I love those type of games. Miramasa. Um, Vanilla Soft. Okay. Yeah, so it was experience developed. And Vanilla Soft is actually a game at the show that I didn't get to play. You did. Uh, Thirteen oh. Abyss. Oh, was it good? I didn't. I didn't oh, play. Did. So I said I, I, did. I did not. Uh, but Sakuna is this game, and my um, previews up on uh, cgmagonline.com. Uh, as I should go read it. You play as this little goddess. She's really adorable. She got banished to this island, um, and she got banished to the island with these people uh, by this celestial being. They told her, "Look, uh, here's this dangerous island with all these monsters. You got to live on it." And they're deciding to make the really hard decision to harvest crops, fight off the monsters, and turn the island in this, like, prison into a paradise, basically. And so it's a 2D side-scrolling um, action game. Um, and there's going to be farming mechanics that we didn't get our hands on for the purpose of the demo. But it, the action in this game is so fluid. Um, the, your standard heavy light attack combos feel great. Jumping around feels great. But the best mechanic is that she has this magical scarf. And the magical scarf she can whip in any, um, basically any direction, and she can use it to grapple onto enemies, twirl around them, and then strike them from behind. She can use it to grab onto the scenery and hold in the ceiling. She can use it to zip up ledges in like, like a super fast Spider-Man-y kind of way. Um, it has a super adorable art style. Um, apparently it's really early on in development. I mean, it's not going to come out until fall 2018. Um, which is surprising because what I played felt really good. It's just, it's just this Miramasa style 2D action game with a really, like, a lot of games these days I don't feel really understand what makes cell shading work. Um, this game does. It has a very cool cell shaded look to it, and it has a really nice aesthetic inspired by Japanese mythology. You have, like, your giant toad, you have, like, your oni, you have your imps, and I just think... I think it looks fantastic. Uh, so that 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 was my third favorite game I saw. Uh, I thought it was excellent. Um, my second favorite would, and it's really hard to pick, but if I had to say my second favorite game I saw of the show was probably Sonic Forces. Um, this is a game I went into thinking I saw the trailers and I really liked the area, the direction they were going with the story. I like this whole idea of post-apocalyptic Sonic of everyone going like, hey, Sonic, you're going to die if you go fight that thing. It's like, that's that's grim. I, I like Shadow the Hedgehog. I like edginess. I love Linkin Park. Let's do this. Um, so, yeah, I, I went into this game going like, it'll be all right. And I came out feeling like they sort of were iterating on that Generations Unleashed colors formula a lot. Okay. I like it a lot. Um, playing as a customizable avatar is fantastic. Uh, I loved that. Um, and a lot of the early issues I had with seeing the trailers, like the trailers had some frame rate problems, and these were in official trailers they were putting out. Yeah. I was like, that's, that's no good. Maybe that's the Switch version. Uh, but what <laughs> I played, no frame rate dips, really crisp, really pretty um, game. I think it's one of, it, if the whole game is that good, it's probably going to be like one of the best 3D Sonic games. Definitely like better than Generations, better than Colors, by leaps and bounds. Uh, it looks fantastic, and it's implementing things like Shadow the Hedgehog's back. Amy has an increased role. Knuckles has an increased role. They're not 
doing that or going back to bare bones basic Sonic and Tails again, which was my least favorite part of Colors, which was like, well, you have all these great characters, why aren't you using them? Um, part of the fans, like, a lot of the fans, too, were just, like, kind of fatigued about it. Sure, and, but then the fans, when they weren't there, the fans also complained, because Sonic fans are babies. Uh, that's that's our official stance here at CG Mag Online. Is it Sonic fans? <laughs> yeah, it is. No, <laughs> oh, wait, no, PR's coming to get me. Um, HR. Not that. No, <laughs> I, in, all, in my okay, in my humble, humble personal opinion, no, I CGM stance on Sonic the Hedgehog and its characters is that they're all great except for Silver. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Take this. Um, but uh, yeah, I I I like that they're putting those characters in roles, like they're talking to you through your little Sonic headset that you have. And they're like telling you, go here, do this. And I think that's Leia's shadow. Uh, he's a villain, and so is chaos. And so is chaos. He's back. <gasps> chaos. Chaos and, is back. Yeah, chaos. Yeah. Chaos and shadow team up. What? And so when I played as modern Sonic, uh, the ended with Sonic and approach Shadow, and this game is bananas. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, and, and, and like the whole idea of like you're like. Shadow has helped bring on the apocalypse is like, okay, this is kind of cool. So edgy. It is. And so it's edgy. like, you know, I, I, I'm a Shadow the Hedgehog apologist, so I is like this I game like my made, edge. Like for like that early two thousands era fan. I honestly like. feel like it's made for fans it of that. Like fan fiction. It does. Shadow oh, it does. Absolutely. I mean, it's everyone. the four horsemen of the apocalypse <laughs> with shadow and chaos. Is like shadow what? gonna become shadow chaos? <laughs> Whoa! Dude. That would be some next level stuff. Then Super Saiyan Sonic's gotta fight Super chaos. Shadow. Why did she turn to Joey Wheeler? Yo, you Super Saiyan Sonic. <laughs> Dragon, but look, in all seriousness, <laughs> in all seriousness, um, it looks cool and like the whole idea. I mean, I, it's, I'm not too hot in the bring in like here's one of the Lost World villains in their back. Uh, it's like, oh, okay, whatever. But yeah, I mean, it is. I, I, I do like Lost World. I just wish if they had picked a villain from that game, they hadn't picked that one. Um, it's the big burly devil dude who's the least interesting one. Pick the really cute green girl. Um. Going on uh, that tan, it looks. Uh, it was the one that was Mario Galaxy uh, for the Wii U. Um, oh, yeah, it was, it was. It was all right. It's not bad. It's not bad. It was before Boom, right? Yeah, it was before Boom. We that's a, considered a spinoff. In, in the good, the good years before Boom. But yeah, so <laughs> the golden years. Like I might take that's why it's like my second. Two thousand and six. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Hey, hey. <laughs> 2006, all right. Uh, Sonic 06 is all right. Um, oh. It's all right. Princess Elise arc is pretty actually okay. Um, she it's... kisses an animal. Okay, but you don't have to have that be a story choice. You can make him romance Amy. It doesn't matter. Anyway, it looks good. It sort of makes me go like, feel like Aaron Weber, who is like the brand manager basically for Sonic, has looked at the Archie comics and gone like, this is what people like about these. Let's just put yes. this in the mainline games. Yes. And I feel like it has that atmosphere and vibe and I'm looking forward to it. I think if it comes out um, and it's as good as it is now and it's a whole game of being that good, it could be like preemptively top five of the year material for me. At least top ten. So that's, it's really good. 
I loved it. But my game of the show is really hard to pick. Uh, I played some good ones. Even like last night, I talked some really garbage about Ages of Mayhem. And I woke up this morning, I was like, you know what? Ages of Mayhem is pretty all right. Mm-hmm. My game of the show have to go to Swords of Ditto. Uh, yeah. My oh. my preview is also up on the site of that uh, cgmagonline.com. Um, I don't know if I talked about it. I don't know if I actually talked about this much in the podcast. Um, but a I'll, little bit. I'll keep it brief. Basically, Zelda-like roguelike game with a very cute art direction that I really appreciate. The developer is super genuine and nice about trying to like capture that feelings of the old, those feelings of the old Zelda games while still bringing new things to the table. It has drop-in, drop-out co-op. It has this mechanic where you hug people and it brings them back to life. Mm-hmm. It is fantastic. Out of everything I played, because I didn't... I, even the NASCAR game I played. I don't think I played a game that was really bad this year. Um, but out of all of them, I think this is the one that showed the most creativity, the most polish, the most originality, which is basically creativity. Um, <laughs> I loved it. I adore this game. I can't believe I have to wait till next year to play it. Um, go read my preview. I have a lot to say about it. Uh, you can hug people to bring back to life. Game of the show. Um, it's great. <laughs> but you know what else was game of the show? Before we get off, guys. Wait a second. Anyway. Oh, Jack was, uh, in the, the box Jack, was box. game of the show. Guys. Game of the show. Okay, so here's the story. The guy got walked out of the room. He got walked out of a bathroom because the employee wouldn't open it for him with the doorbell button that opened the bathroom. Because yeah. he didn't pay for anything. Be, he, he just came in, he wanted to use the washroom. He's like, Why are you playing me? Yeah, he's like, Why are you playing me? He kept yelling that. And then he went went to try to go back again. The employee was looking really scared at this point. And so the guy came back, and he started yelling, and we were all paying attention at this point, right? We were all like, it's time to leave. Yeah, and then he said, I could shoot you right now. And then and we really started to hustle right. out of there, didn't we, boys? That's, um... <laughs> that was alarming. L.A.? I guess would be how I would describe it. And you guys are from Canada. Yes. You guys are from Canada. So someone said that Canada, you'd be like, well, maybe he doesn't have a gun. In America, it's like, well, he might just have a fucking, a, a freaking assault rifle down his pants. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was alarming. Yeah. yeah that was, um... God, that's scary. Sorry. I'm sorry I broke the no swear rule it's like okay. twice. It's okay. I'm tired. an hour and 40... We'll put an hour and 40. Just write that down. But yeah... Um, that, that was, was alarming. Crazy. And, uh, yeah, especially being from good old Canada, where you're not supposed to. Uh, yeah, like, that. if you have a disagreement, sure, you might get into a little bit of a fist fight, but at the end, you're going out for a rip butt. You're going out for a rip butt? <laughs> Frickin' A! Yeah. Um, I did it. Yeah, he did. Yeah, there we go. That's just you know half clapper, top chatter. <laughs> you guys. Um, anyway, and you put ketchup. Like, you guys say that you put ketchup on your mac and cheese like weirdos. Only some people it's do. Good. That. Well, that's because you got they got that good taste. Yeah, yeah, I still have that you good. Tried it, you can't say that. I cannot. There's a lot of things I could try and not. Anyway, they include. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you for listening, everyone. Thank I'm you. I'm exhausted. Me this too. went way longer than I anticipated. It was fun. Sorry, Brendan. Sorry. Um, oh, geez, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, 
thanks for listening. Don't forget to check us out on cgmagonline.com. You can follow us on Twitter at cgmagonline. You can follow me on Twitter at Cody underscore Orm, O-R-M-E. And Cole doesn't have Twitter, but you can follow what he does <laughs> on cgmag, at cgmagonline. Elias. Oh, me? Oh, cool. Uh, you can follow me on uh, on Twitter at the Fried Critic, or follow my other podcast at Rocketto Punchy. Shameless plug. You're the worst. The I'm worst. worst. That's what you were. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I'm the absolute and a worst. surprise announcement. This is a better podcast than <laughs> Rocketto Punchy, guys. There you go. There and, you go. And a surprise announcement. That's a lie. Cole Watson. <laughs> They're both will, great. Cole Watson will be making a Twitter eventually. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, and you can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Do it. Magazine. Thank you, everyone. It's over. Thank you for enduring this, guys. You guys and listeners. You survived E3 with us. That's not even fair. No, they <laughs> you guys are posters if you think that. Good night, everyone. We love you. Bye. Good night. Bye, Zs.